Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. In our third series, which this now is, we're searching for a movie that truly captures the essence of Dungeons and Dragons. Mike and I are lifelong role-playing gamers. That's that's how we met, actually. I started playing D&D in high school, and Mike joined the game a couple of years in. Uh, D&D and fantasy culture in general have become more mainstream, a lot more than when we were kids. I'll say. Yeah, it was pretty much the provenance of you know, nerds. Beat them up! Yeah. <laughs> However, we recently raised the question, has any movie really captured the spirit of D&D? We'll be viewing and discussing various fantasy movies to see if they succeed in truly giving a sense of what it is to be a murder hobo, I'm I'm sorry, an adventurer, (laughs) and why or why not. Today we're discussing the 1977 Ralph Bakshi animated film, Wizards. May may, may I interject just a moment? You may. Who are you? (laughs) Of course, I'm so sorry. I, I am the evil wizard, Max of the eastern seaboard, bane of turkeys, and destroyer of turkeys. Uh, and I am a teapot, short and stout. <laughs> but where is your handle? Where is your spout? We shall never know. That over there, that's Max. This over here is Mike. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Why do you never introduce us? I'm shy. You're not shy. You're doing a podcast. I'm embarrassed to be doing it with you, okay? I said well, now- it. That's a good reason. (laughs) All right, now what about this movie? The plot, it goeth thusly. Ah. The show. In a post-apocalyptic world, millions of years after atomic devastation, magic rises again, and two brother wizards, literally twin brothers, Avatar and Black Wolf... Testing the very definition of the word twins. Yeah, yeah. We're not twins! (laughs) Yeah, guess which one is the good guy and which one is the bad guy. Uh, They battle each other for the fate of the world. The battle takes a dark turn when Black Wolf, who has been defeated a number of times, discovers an ancient and terrible piece of pre-destruction technology, and Avatar and his allies must set out on a quest to destroy this weapon before Black Wolf can use it to conquer the world. The world. World. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So, uh... This one, there's a lot to talk about on this one, just in terms of backstory, and a lot of this, actually, you know better than I do. You know more about Bakshi. Uh, this movie, by the way, in 78, uh, was nominated for both a Saturn Award and a Hugo Award, those big science fiction awards. It uh, didn't win either. Yeah. Uh, the budget was $1.2 million. It made $9 million, so it was a considerable success for an animated movie. Ralph Bakshi uh, is an interesting figure in the world of animation (laughs) now to be fair to give him his props he was one of the first i believe to do genuinely adult animation and i mean that literally he has the dubious honor of producing the first x-rated animated film the the now legendary fritz the cat very legendary very x too Mm. yeah it was based on r crumb's underground comic book of the same name uh, he did, he's done some interesting films. I, he's ne- he's never really had a major breakout hit, I don't think. 
His best known, he's probably best known for being the first to attempt to film Lord of the Rings. He did a pretty mediocre, not awful, it has some good parts, uh, movie, an animated version of Lord of the Rings. And uh, he's also known a bit for a movie that is entirely based basically on a Frank Frazetta painting called uh, Fire and Ice. And uh, another, a combination live-action animated movie called Cool World. I think that was his last piece. Uh, Last movie? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, what oh no! There's been, there's there's been more since then. Nothing major, and it's usually often uh, in TV. But of course, he's probably really best known to the average person as the person who brought back Mighty Mouse. Really? You didn't know he did that? I, I did not. I oh no! Wait, I did. He was the one one who did the more psychedelic backgrounds, and isn't he the one who has Mighty Mouse basically doing coke? Uh, that scene was never <laughs> really rebroadcast. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's that one. That okay. was all Bakshi. So it, the, uh, he gave a lot, a, a certain person their kind of big start in that, which was John Chris Felusi, who went on to do Run and Stimpy. Ah. Um, but no, uh, he's had a few things since then. Nothing major, major. Um, he did, uh, of course, American Pop and Fire and Ice around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Cool World, um, some stuff that he was doing for TV. There, there are a lot of them are like specials. He did a, a season of something for HBO that didn't. They didn't do a second season of um, Mighty Mouse. Was what eighty seven? I think it was. Mm, I think so. Um, so that was afterwards. But he actually got that that scene you were talking about. Um, he got a big he got into a big problem there was somebody who was a big drug anti-drug activist and yeah. even though the film the show won awards mm-hmm. for the first season the company he was working for i can't remember which uh, network says uh oh, we're closing up i think it was cbs but it could be nbc i can't remember hmm. um and it was like whatever he <laughs> actually was uh in the process of adapting a dr seuss cartoon or yes the the butter battle book yeah and apparently even got mr theodore geisel to do the storyboarding himself and supposedly i don't have anything really i can sit there and say he actually said this but supposedly dr seuss was pleased with what bakshi was doing partially because um bakshi was trying to not stray at all from the book like he was trying to do it exactly the way it was in the book um but i don't think it was ever actually finished Hmm. Okay. So yeah, there was there was a few other little things that he's actually he did a Kickstarter a couple of years ago for something called The Last Days of Coney Island. Um, he's also threatened. I'm not sorry, threatened. He's he's suggested that he has got a script actually already written for Wizards Two. Yeah, I heard about that. It's supposed to be following the adventures of uh, Avatar and Eleanor as they go off together, and. Uh, their relationship doesn't quite work because Weehawk keeps getting in the way. And why wouldn't he? Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my, my. Oh, boy. What a anyway, consume. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, any other uh, trivia? Uh, there's quite a bit. Um, first off, the <laughs> I love the horses in this. They have two feet instead of four simply because it's easier and cheaper to animate. Hey, that's it, the three-finger rule. Yeah, it, what, what still gets me is watching them try to rear because <laughs> they basically stand on one foot. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's um, just not that dramatic. Um, <laughs> there is a, a famous and much quoted sequence in there of uh, two stormtroopers fighting. 
and one of them is killed off, and the other one begins screaming, They killed Fritz! They killed Fritz! Uh, Fritz, by the way, is one of the, the several voices that Bakshi does himself. He also does the voice of the, the shall we say, intellectually challenged Stormtrooper Lardbottom. Hmm. But uh, it's a re- the, They Killed Fritz is apparently inten- an intentional reference to R. Crumb killing off Fritz the Cat in his Underground comic book series. Uh, and why did he do that? Uh, that I don't know. Oh, he did that specifically because he hated the movie. Aha. Uh-huh. Hated, really? hated, hated, hated Peter Pan. Oh, oh dear. Uh, yes, he thought that, that Bakshi had no idea what he was doing. He did Ouch. not like the adaptation. And he said, instead of making this an ongoing thing, the hell with it, I'm killing off the character. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so they, they is really Robert Crumb, but there the, you go. The original title, by the way, was War Wizards. But Which, now, why would he need to change it? Well, there was some other little indie film coming that came out in 1997 that had war in the title, uh, space shooting, or or, or mm. I don't nope. know. Nope, don't know. Yeah, it. I know. It was it was silly because obviously that uh, that George Lucas movie just faded into obscurity. But George who? Uh, uh, some guy Lugosh or something. Oh, no, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this scene with the priests, which is one of the funniest scenes oh. in the movie, and also one of the oddest in tone, because it's in the middle of like war atrocities, and suddenly we're doing basically uh, vaudeville. These two crazy priests uh, who are seated in front of a curtain which has the symbol from the CBS <laughs> network on it. Shh. <laughs> Maybe they won't notice. Yeah, and their religious icons that they have lying around are like a Coca-Cola sign, a catcher's mitt, an Oscar statuette, the gold front grill from a Rolls Royce. These are all holy objects. Oh, yes, very holy. Do not doubt them. (laughs) Uh, I want to go back for a second, though, because we kind of skated over something there with that uh, George What's-His-Name film. And uh, the change. Oh the yes. Name. So so why is it that that Bakshi was so willing to change the name of his War Wizards to just Wizards? Well, first of all, apparently he was friends with George Lucas, and George Lucas recommended this kid to be in to do one of the voices in the movie, Mark Hamish or something. I, uh, I you know I don't Ham- know. It's so long Mark, ago. May, Mark Hamlin. Yeah, basically yeah. Mark Hamill auditioned. He auditioned for the voice of Weehawk, which he didn't get, but he is the voice of Sean, the leader of the Knights of Stardust. Oh, come was... on. Let's be let's be right blunt about this. Sean the Fairy. It's yeah. Sean the Fairy. <laughs> it is Sean the Fairy. And I got to say, even for when he was a young man, obviously Mark is pitching his voice even higher because Sean, Sean <laughs> sounds balloon? really, really that? swishy. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, that being said, it is pretty much as far as I could tell, it is the debut of Mark Hamill voice actor. Mm. And as we know, he went on to do great things, the vo- including uh, the voice of the Joker. Mommy! <laughs> uh, Bob Holt, who did the voice of Avatar, he modeled his voice after Peter Falk. Ah, <laughs> uh, just one more thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I thought that was you. Princess Eleanor is named after uh, Ralph Bakshi's first girlfriend. Ah. Uh. Uh, there's another Star Wars connection. Apparently, the Tauntauns in Empire Strikes Back are were inspired by those goofy-looking two-legged horses. I thought you were going to say Clint Howard. But, uh... 
No, not Clint Howard. <laughs> Sorry, Clint. <laughs> I just Clint. Still can't get over that thing in Willow. It's like, really? Wow, yeah. Ron, that's just mean. Mean. And of course, for those of you who missed that episode, we were talking about that the other George Lucas-connected film, Willow, uh, directed by Ron Howard, mm. where the two-headed dragon was apparently modeled oh. after his brother, Clint. Yes, the hideous, grotesque <laughs> monster was modeled on his little brother. I'm nice. sure that Clint is a perfectly nice person. I'm sure he, I, I, I'd like to think he is. I'm sure he is. That's just mean. <laughs> One of the, uh, the, I find kind of disturbing things about this movie personally is, and I mean, I know it's part of the narrative. There's nothing subtle about it. Is there's a lot of heavy Nazi imagery in this. There is? Yeah. Yeah. Because the uh, spoiler here, what the secret weapon that Black Wolf disco- discovers, part of the plot is he has this tremendous army, a lot of whom are demons but he can't motivate them. The demons get distracted or bored and wander off. They, so he unearths, eventually, a film projector with Nazi propaganda on it. And he models his whole nation on it. They start calling him the Fuhrer. Triumph of the Bread. Yeah, pretty much. I don't, I'm not sure if it was Triumph of the Will. I don't think it was. Uh... It's, it's just sort of random stuff. I, I do like the fact that in the credits of the movie it says Adolf Hitler him, plays himself. Well, who else? Which, well, which is true. There's oh, he's not very good at it. <laughs> no, no, he's not. The guy The guy is a total hack. Yeah. Uh, when the, the first thing they see when the, the, he plays it for his army, they're playing Die Fahnehoch, which also called the Horst Wesselslied, which was uh, basically the song of the SS. Ooh. Mm. Icky. Yeah, very icky. And even the military stuff, never mind the fact that all the weapons are from well which which brings up an, another thing all the war, all the uh, weapon the uh, other movies he used. But uh, the weapons are all World War II, all German. They've all got the Nazi or the Ar- Nazi symbol of the Iron Cross on it. And uh the initial battle in East Elfland. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's actually what it's apparently called. Well, I used to live in South Elfland, and I yeah. always used to joke about East Elfland. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a sad little place, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, is, uh, basically, the elves are set up for trench warfare, just and the uh, mutants hit them with a blitzkrieg, which yeah. is a lot like what happened in the early days of World War II. It took a while to adapt to the new strategy, especially where air power was used. And... I gotta say, the battle scenes in this movie. I mean, you told me this was that this was Bakshi's idea of a family movie. Yeah, kinda. they're pretty <laughs> horrible. I mean, they're actually some of the most convincing and uh, well done. I large scale battle scenes I've seen in a uh, in an animated movie that gives a real sense of just the terror, horror, and bloodiness of it. I actually particularly liked that scene where it's the the old veteran smoking a cigar, talking mm. to the young recruit, mm. and it's like he he's like all confident and stuff. But of course, we have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, and it's really kind of sad because it's like ah, we'll just fight and win. We always win. You'll be fine, kid. Nothing will happen to you. And it's like you can see the big X yeah. being drawn over you his might, face. He might as well be saying it's great because I've only got three days to retirement anyway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Did you hear a ricochet? <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I, it's it's. It's surprising there's certain moments in this film where they're elves and stuff 
you know, and I don't mean elves like Legolas elf that's, you know, oh, pretty and it's going to live 2,000 years and yeah. be wise and stuff. We're talking like, you know, 70s elves with, you know, short, big ears and stuff. And it's kind of poignant. You know, mm -hmm. I'm surprised the 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 length and the mileage he gets out of something like that. But. Yeah. I mean, there's also that rather pitiful scene where the elves have lost and these two little fairies, the mother and the child, are inside a tree and talking about, you know, why can't we go fight? And the mother's saying they have guns and technology and we just have love. Those voices, by the way, were Ralph Bakshi's wife and daughter. Yeah. Mm. He was very big into using, I mean, in this particular case, I'm sure it was scripted, but there was a number of his earlier films where he's like, well, I want realism. And um, let's see, I know, I'll just go to a bar and set up some microphones, record that, I'll animate that. That's yeah. his script. Mm. So. Yeah, now... Speaking of the movies he borrowed from, this brings us to a type of animation. I don't think he he didn't pioneer this, did he? Oh no! Oh no! No yeah. no, no! Disney pretends they That's didn't what, do it back yeah. in the day, but they kind of did. I always assumed Snow White was. We're talking about rotoscoping. Shh, shh. Disney is wonderful, and everything <laughs> oh, they do is great. We love Disney. All praise Disney. Don't hurt us. This episode sponsored not by Disney, <laughs> because Disney doesn't do things for money. They do things for love. Love. Yeah, Ralph Bakshi is famous for and as far as i can tell is sexually attracted to <laughs> rotoscoping which is now max what is rotoscoping well i'm glad you asked that mike over here i'll unfold the 3d blackboard and rotoscoping is basically taking actual film and animating on top of it just drawing over the frames drawing on top of the characters Phineas J. Whoopi, you're a genius. <laughs> Whoopi! And then Whoopi! You know, the advantage is you get very realistic movement. The disadvantage is it looks like rotoscoping. <laughs> Once you see it, I mean, it takes, for me, if you mix it with a hand-drawn, rotoscoping takes you out of the movie almost immediately. And it just, it looks odd. He did a lot of that in his Lord of the Rings, and... It just looked, to me, it made the characters look very strange, at least when they were moving. It's odd to see, you know, animated characters, you know, shifting from foot to foot or breathing. And they had to do that. <laughs> and it was also just like, it's just too, it's not cartoony. It's more realistic. Yeah. The one thing I was talking to you about the other day. Oh, spoiler, Max and I yep. talk when we're not doing the podcast. It's a lie! <laughs> uh, is... Whenever characters, especially like they jump and land, yeah. there's this dissociation between the character and the background because they're using real action and a, you know, a watercolor painting or something. And the two things just don't mix well to me. Um, there's sort of another step past rotoscoping that, that Bakshi occasionally does. And it's kind of instead of just like taking the footage as a as a reference and drawing over it, mm -hmm. they'll sometimes do something called solarization, which basically bleaches out everything but the darkest lines on the film, leaving something that looks not entirely unlike a cartoon mm. and which you don't even have to draw over. <laughs> um, so, and that's the worst. That's yeah. when it's really just like, like all the tank footage in this, yeah. that's I'm sure what they did. Nobody drew that because no. they couldn't, why would you bother? Some of it is kind of cute, like you'll see he has Nazi soldiers, but he's drawn horns on them, or they have bat wings or glowing eyes. Yeah. That one, that's kind of, that's an interesting thing, but it does, it still takes me out of the movie. And he took, I remember as a kid watching, going, wait a minute, why does that one demon have a Zulu shield? <laughs> it's because, because. Yeah, a lot of the uh, footage is taken, the movies he used, like, were Zulu, 1964, El Cid, 1961, <laughs> Patton, 
1970, <laughs> Battle of the Bulge in 1965, and a biggie, I think mainly whenever you see the armored knights or the guys with, you know, old weapons, spears and swords, that's from the Russian film 1938, Alexander Nevsky. Hmm. And that boy, does he love that movie? Because I think he used that all over the place in Lord of the Rings. Mom, I'm guessing it's early enough or it's or the, the yeah the copyright elapsed. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, I can just do. Of course, I have to wonder how copyright works on that because it's not. I mean, it's sort of like sampling in music, but kind of not. Yeah, because you're, sure. you're you're taking it, but you're drawing over it. Does mm. that count? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> any more trivia? Yeah, I did. There are a couple little things I kind of liked. Uh, about halfway into the film, Weehawk falls into a cavern and is urging Avatar to go on, and Avatar leans over and throws a spell, and he's, what he's muttering is, Morrow, Crinkle, Frazetta. And <laughs> Gary, uh, Gary Morrow and Frank Frazetta were famous you know, fantasy illustrators, and Frank's best friend was Roy Crinkle. 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 And he is also a fantasy illustrator. Mm. Uh, Can't, I did a lot of comics, too. Okay. Uh, some people apparently, I can't speak to this, but they claim that uh, this was the inspiration for the cartoon show Adventure Time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I did. Because it's, it's, it's both a inspired by and inspiring of other stuff. Hmm. So, for example, there is a an underground cartoonist named Vaughn Bodie. Um, and for those who think I'm saying it wrong, I met his son once. That's how he pronounced it. So huh. whatever. Most people think it's Vaughn Bodie, but he said his name was Mark Bodie. And it's like, well, you would know. Um, Von Bodie did a character called Cheech Wizard, who, as a character, is a pointed wizard hat with legs. That's oh. it. Huh. Um, which is not entirely unlike Avatar, because it's very similar. Also, the drawing style, especially of the uh, the character that becomes Peace, his original name is Necron 99. Mm. That kind of mutant character there uh, is very similar to stuff that Von Bodie drew. Um, so oh. I would say the Cheech, Cheech Wizard and the stuff Von Bodhi did, it very much influenced what Bakshi was doing. And coincidentally, there was a very long-running famous comic that would come out a couple of years after this that has a lot of similar visuals yeah. to this. Yeah. You may have heard of it. Uh, can, can you guess? Heavy Metal? No, what? ElfQuest. Oh, God, that's right. The, yeah. el the elves, if, if you just took the ones you see in this and make them all blonde... Yeah, short, big ears. Yeah, yeah, big ears, big ears. Yeah, and now, now to be fair, what the Peenies did with ElfQuest has nothing to do with Wizards. No. And they went off in a very long, different direction. Yeah. Uh, they're still producing stuff to this day. Um, I'm, I'm not, not read, I know you read uh, ElfQuest. I've read a little of it, and it's actually pretty good high fantasy. It's, it's heavy magic stuff, but mm -hmm. uh, I would have to say that the concurrence is interesting. Let's put it that way. No stealing, I'm saying, just concurrence one of the things that strikes me and uh at one of the uh, things i read about is the the poster for wizards the only character it shows is peace which is odd because he's well he's an important part he's not the central character he hardly speaks and spoiler he dies 60 minutes into the movie Shh, don't tell <laughs> So I, I, apparently whoever put it up just really liked the look. And he does have a pretty cool look. That sort of weird combination of somewhat goofy, cartoony, and menacing. That's actually where I think Bakshi's at his best. Mm. 
And it's, it's having watched or tried to watch a few of his other films, his character design especially just runs all over the place. You've got stuff that's wildly cartoonish, mm. and then you get stuff that's a little bit more realistic. And I tend to think that he doesn't do as well when he's more realistic. Um, but this was a very iconic, like that particular pose in the poster, that showed up in stickers, it showed up in graffiti, yeah. it showed up in everything. everything. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, peace. And like you said, he's not the major character, although he's sort of a... a a fulcrum yeah yeah no he's a he's a major plot point he is in fact a pretty significant npc but we'll get to that later um Uh, cobalt cobalt 60 that's what i was thinking of that was the comic that von bodie did that was Hmm. his characters looked a lot like peace Hmm. okay well uh that's pretty much all the trivia i have well now it's time to go and trash i discuss (laughs) the film the lowdown uh, so, Max, I'm going to ask a, a big big one right off the bat. Why did you choose Wizards? Well, we're talking about fantasy role play. We're talking about sort of fantasy adventure movies. And uh, quite honestly, this movie was a big deal to me when I was a kid. It was uh, I saw it the same year I saw Star Wars. And in wow, fact, your mom I, let you see this, huh? Huh? Oh, yeah. I went and saw it at the Harvard Square Theater. In fact, I think I saw it a couple of times. I did see it, but not when it came out. Mm. I didn't see it till. I actually think I saw it with you at one point at the Harvard Square, but it, it would have been like be. 1981, they, 1981, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, uh, this came, in effect, this would have come out about two years after D&D was released. So I wanted, I, it, it seemed relevant to me. I, I, I wanted to also bring an animated film into what we've talked about. I don't think we've talked about any animated films yet. No, no. Generally animated mm. films, you either... Well, I don't think we've had anything that I would consider a hidden gem. Mm. Not for animated, but they they cost so much and take so long that yeah. they either get released and make a big splash or they're utterly forgotten for good reason. Yeah. So, so, that what, would, so uh, how, how did this hold up for you? Well, literally the only thing I remembered from my one viewing 30-some-odd years ago was near the end where Avatar Avatar pulls the gun. And even that, my memory was incorrect because I had the wrong gun. I was remembering a revolver, and he had a, 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 an automatic of some sort. Oh, it wasn't uh, just an automatic. I, that's why I always remembered it, because of all the Nazi imagery on the bad guy's side. The gun he pulls out of his sleeve is a German Luger. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, I... How does it hold up? Um, better than some Bakshi films. Yeah. Um, the problem is Bakshi's storytelling seems to be based almost entirely on whim. Like, what am I interested in doing right now? Okay, I'll animate that. And now we're going to go animate this. And now we're going to go do this. Yeah. And it's like, it is... It there do- is a story. And yeah. there is an A and we do get to B. But then we have stormtroopers talking to each other and then we have the fairy kingdom which doesn't really have any bearing on the story at all although Mm. we wouldn't have mark hamill otherwise yeah um and then suddenly we have photography kind of you know the rotoscoping and then suddenly we don't and then we've got this stock footage from from nazi propaganda films which I get it, and the the message is a little heavy-handed, but, you know, sadly, uh, there was actually one thing I wrote in my notes, which um, is a very interesting point, and I'm not sure exactly how Bakshi really meant it, um, because, of course, things have changed so much since the 70s, but um, one of the things that one of the characters says 
is that technology is only to be useful to enslave the masses. Huh. Wow. Um, and I have to sit there and look at the 70s when he made the film, and I look at today. Well, I think that's just silly. Oh, hang on. i got to check my phone. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? My watch is uh, mm. telling me that I need to stand up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hang, <laughs> hang on. Uh, i got to check something on Instagram on my tablet. Ooh, one of my favorite podcasts has a new episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's us. <laughs> yeah, mm. so, I mean, there's a lot. That's a really heavy thing because yeah. I honestly think that, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't wear tinfoil. Uh, I can't stand to watch Ancient Aliens because it drives me incredibly insane. But I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. <laughs> yeah, but I can't help but wonder... There is such a an onslaught of media these days. There is so much to distract us. There are so many ways to let that media get to us and let it distract us. I can't help but wonder if on some level that isn't somebody's idea. Like that, not just, hey, we should make mass media available to anybody, but it's like, hey, we should make it so getting media is ridiculously easy, more easy than doing things like, oh, I don't know, thinking. I don't think you're wrong. I think there's something to that. It's a variation of, you know, that whole religion being the opiate of the masses. Well, now it's, you know, social media is the opiate of the masses. Yeah. Um, so I that part, when I saw that line pop up, I was just like, ooh, um, ouch. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't so much taken out of the film, like, you know, in a bad way as, uh, whoa, who, what did he know? Or was it just, you know, (laughs) technology's bad, man. Like it's totally just used to enslave the masses. Wait, wait, are you saying he had asthma? Uh, yes, that's my suggestion. (laughs) Oh, okay. Asthma. Um, of course TV was considered, you know, that was, that was, well, didn't TV originally take over for the opening of the masses? Didn't someone like, uh, Norman Mc, uh, and the Marsh, McLuhan say Mar- Marshall, Marshall McLuhan. McLuhan, yeah. He mean, I get him confused with Norman Lear. Uh, actually, wow, he, might have said he would it hate too. that. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Uh, but I think he did say something about that as TV is the opiate of the masses. And of course, now we have TV and we have, of course, the idea of TV has changed because, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, yeah. I want all my TV right now. Well, says Netflix, here it is. Now, with things like YouTube, anybody can be their own TV station. Like m- me. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good TV station. Yeah, uh, a... Although I did start at a 5,000 watt radio station in Fresno, <laughs> California. Thank you, uh, Farmer Ted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean. The movie. Know, the, <laughs> the movie. There are plenty of people <laughs> that gain quite large followings, and in some cases, how I don't know. Yeah. That get more viewers than, like, sitcoms that were released in the 70s and 80s. There's millions of people watching these shows, such as they are. Yeah. Um, and some of them are made literally in people's garages or their living rooms, and some of them pretend to be made in people's garages and living rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it was a really... I thought that was a really interesting point, even though it's basically as a line is sort of steamrolled over it's like hey interesting now here's some elves it's definitely a throwaway but but then again we're talking about the way that the stock footage is used you know as uh, a tool for conquest here and it's Mm -hmm. like that's where things get really heavy but not really wrong Um, just the way it affects people is wrong it's like all the bad guys are like yay let's go kill stuff and all the good guys are like um i can't move yeah, I was always a little thrown by that. It's like, okay, the, that would work the first time. The idea is they 
he somehow he projects, I assume using magic, projects <laughs> the film onto the sky so it seems to be the whole world and they actually think they're in the middle of a blitzkrieg, although in some cases they are. Apparently he's yeah. also rediscovered the airplane. Uh, but uh, after that it'd be like, okay, wouldn't the shock value kind of wear off because it's like, okay, remember that part isn't real. Focus on the guys with the swords and guns. Yeah, it's, well, you know, explanation is not one of Bakshi's major um, focuses, mm -hmm. uh, foci, however one says that. Although, if you um, if you look at it this way, that it wasn't, it didn't matter so much that it terrified the elves, the whole point was that it was supposed to focus Black Wolf's army. It gave right. It gave them purpose, and obviously that part certainly worked. Well, but the elves definitely are shown being kind of zombie-like and not fighting back. Mm, um, initially, in the final battle, it just sort of distracts them. Yeah, they keep, they keep um, fighting because I guess they're ready for it. But they lose. They do. They're getting clobbered. Until we we get uh, Avatar up there taking uh, care of. Taking care he of business. Stole our black, he stole our black wolf. <laughs> we'll get, we'll some, get more. some more. <laughs> um, uh, the yeah. Let's talk about the characters. Okay. <laughs> well, for so you for oh, well actually a little bit more on the way it's filmed. There's not just there's not just mixture of animation and rotoscoping. There's a little bit of live action. The very opening is just a shot of a book in a desert or something, which right. I found very uns just uh, disruptive. And then right. a whole lot of it is told with still pictures, which I'm sorry is cheating. He uses it so much. I, well, I, I yes, it probably was in some senses cheating. It's like, hey, we don't have to animate this. The other problem I had was it was so much better drawn than the animation. That's also um, true. The drawings looked a lot better. <laughs> and we hear about the story of how uh, Plot Devicea, the elf queen, <laughs> uh, basically in the middle of a festival, there's a storm. Festival. And she goes, oh, I feel odd. And suddenly uh, she's not only pregnant, but she's given birth to two wizards. And... I'm thinking, wow, virgin birth, you know? Not only did she have a virgin birth, vir virgin conception, virgin actual delivery, but she had twins, you know? Suck it, Virgin Mary! <laughs> and uh, I uh, think she went on Virgin Airlines. I think she might have. And of course, you know, the first, the, there are, you know, it's Avatar and Black Wolf. Hello, here's Avatar the cute baby and Black Wolf the semi-mutant yeah, what did you expect naming a black wolf? If you named him, I don't know, Steve, maybe he wouldn't have been so bad. <laughs> Might we call you Steve? It's uh, going to be a little confusing otherwise. My, yeah. The Steve. line that just made me laugh out loud that it's really not supposed to, because the voice, a lot of this movie is done with a, a voiceover narrator uh, who, by the way, asked to have her name taken off the movie. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that? She later said, um, no, go ahead and put it back in because yeah. she got more work from this than she got from anything else. Mm -hmm. But uh, what she's talking about as they grew up, it was sort of giving the ex descriptions of how Avatar is the good one because he spent his time doing, entertaining his mother and Black Wolf never visited his mother. <laughs> and all I can think of, I see the narrator is Jewish. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Never saw his mother. Such a bad boy. Well, you it's know, like, Mister Bagshi. I'm pretty sure he was Jewish. He could have been. I thought he was. Um, I thought he was like from. Uh, he was from Haifa, uh, which was both you know Palestine and then Israel. He's from Brooklyn. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I mean, I had. I don't particularly care for the depiction of 
Black Wolf because they kept looking at his arms. It's like, yeah. why are his arms bones? Like, I, I guess mutant, okay, fine, whatever. But... Yeah, I'm looking at that guy's, how do his hands work? There are no muscles. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's like, pretty much, the, he's very cardboard. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm evil because evil. It's yeah, like, okay. he's not evil. There's no ex- evidence that he's treated differently or badly, or it's just like, hi, my name's Black Wolf. I look like this. I guess I'm evil. Hi, Black Wolf. Hi, Black <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that they, they just play off the, the brothers don't get along thing, and Avatar's the good guy because good guy. I mean, he doesn't have any motivation either. No. Um, and I mean, he, he he talks about, oh, I'm always learning magic and stuff, although he uses very little of it. Oh, what he does, um, he uses mostly for comic effect. Yeah, probably lights his cigar with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's there's... As far as, I mean, Mike, the character I liked the look of was Weehawk, but there's not much there either. No, Weehawk is your generic barbarian hero. I mean... I, a hero's even a little of a stretch, yeah. but yeah. But he's, you I know, guess, I'm he's the badass, I have the sword and the bow, and by the way, just one of the things that annoyed me was some of the continuity in the animation. You were looking for some? I was, like, there's a sequence where Weehawk's chase fighting peace in the beginning, back when he's still Necron 99, and he's riding at him, and out of nowhere, he suddenly has a bow and a quiver, which were not there anywhere else in, like, the previous two minutes. I was like, where did that come from, and why does he only have one arrow? Max, you don't understand leather armor. Things (laughs) are very easy to pack Uh, away in leather. You don't... I've been going over and over. Okay, And why doesn't he have sleeves? Because you couldn't see his masculine, manly arms. (laughs) It's, you know, he's more sexy that way. You notice he even uses Conan the Barbarian swears. He always is cursing to Krom or Mitra. Well, he's also got the one earring like Conan does. Yeah, yeah. In some in some depictions, to be fair, not certainly not the movies because I bet Arnold wouldn't have any of that. I don't wear girly things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I Avatar I think is the most fun. He's got some depth to him. Well, he I, also has the best lines. He does. He has the best dialogue, and I, I love like at tor- right at the end when he, they've snuck into the evil land of Scorch, which, <laughs> which if you remember, the Muppets on Saturday Night Live also lived in the land of Scorch. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but uh, they've snuck in and they find Black Wolf, who's posing for some reason on some pillar, and Avatar stands up, and the way he gets his attention, it's not some great declaration. It's Hello, and then whistles. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I, just, I just loved hello. <laughs> well, he reminded me a lot, and I actually saw this in uh, I think it was Wikipedia mentioned that uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, suggested <laughs> that one of the the people that that uh, Avatar reminded him of was uh, Mel Brooks, which yeah, is what I thought yeah, too. The two thousand year old man. It's like yeah, that does kind of remind me of him. Yeah, he's yeah, um, incredibly old. Very, you know. Doesn't he's so old he doesn't take a lot of things seriously anymore? Years ago, we didn't have a word for carpooling. We called it kalaka. <laughs> Wait, that's a that's a deep wow, one. That's a deep go, cut. Deep go cut. ahead, and look that one up, folks. Yeah, seriously. Um, uh, the one, the character I found the most annoying is Eleanor. You know, the fairy well, princess. Because I'm sorry. Here's the you got the party. Here's the wizard and the badass robot and the barbarian and the eye candy. Yeah. What does she do? In the whole movie, what does she actually do? She lets us know it's cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean not that I don't even know why she's wearing that alleged costume. It's basically a couple of gauze strips. 
It's Kleenex in case she sneezes. And, appara- <laughs> and apparently uh, they are very into Brazilian waxing among the fairies. <laughs> and thank the lords for that. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> who wants to animate that? I mean, all she really does is get captured, sing, and at one point betray the party. I, I'm the assistant pube wrangler. That's, and again, this is something I think that Bakshi does a lot. He doesn't yeah. really do female characters well. I think it's fair to say that, as at least as depicting them in, in animated films or mm. pretty, pretty much anything, uh, he does not understand the, the female person. Um, <laughs> Black, kind of it all. What gets me, Black Wolf has sort of a wife, queen, child factory... And she is, in the movie, literally barefoot and pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm just going to go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's I, not what else you know, can you say. You yeah, can't. She's, I mean, she's... you could sit there and say, well, it's the 70s. And it's like, yeah, but so what? Yeah, El- Eleanor was there for TNA, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and mostly T, because she almost never turns around. No, It's no. like, hey, look, it's cold, tee-hee, look, it's cold, tee-hee. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'd actually like to, if you don't mind, to mm. talk about some of the art and some of, the, oh, sure. of what was going on at the time. So, as I said, this is very heavily influenced by Von Bode's work, Cheech Wizard, stuff like that. But the 70s was kind of a little golden era for fantasy stuff, for whatever uh-huh. reason... Fantasy stuff was big. College campuses were rediscovering Lord of the Rings. It was like the book to read at the time. That's right. That was it was the seventies when uh, uh, some there was a write-in candidate for Gandalf for president. Oh, was there? Well, of course, mm-hmm. you know Mickey Mouse keeps getting written in every year and never wins. Um, although that's debatable. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also there's a couple of other artists that were very popular and were also. Um, even gaining more popularity during this time. Obviously, we mentioned one of them being Frank Frazetta. Uh, his stuff was, I would say, arguably at its peak in the late 70s. Um, yeah. More vans than ever were being uh, decorated with Frank <laughs> Frazetta's stuff. Uh, of course, you know, the, the the guy who came after him, Boris Vallejo. Uh, I'm yes. sorry, Vallejo. Um, yeah, Valle- Vallejo, yes. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, the brothers Hildebrandt mm. did, they basically made a career doing lord of the rings illustrations they were known for doing the lord of the rings calendar for many years Uh. Um, and for a long time i want to say that their depictions were pretty much canon um they if people thought of it it was either that or bakshi or the unfortunate finish to lord of the rings as done by rankin bass oh dear Um, yes yeah well you know where there's a whip there's a way (laughs) um but there that was that was really a... There's a lot of fantasy novels coming out because of the popularity of Lord of the Rings. Things like Elric were coming out oh, during yeah. this time, which was a very heavy influence on Dungeons & Dragons. D&D itself was showing up during the 70s, yep, the late 75. 70s. Early, mid-70s, yeah. Well, was it actually D&D or were they doing Chainmail? It was D- it, no, Chainmail was actually, I think, 72, 73. Oh, okay. D&D was published, I believe, 1975. Of course, to be fair, calling that pamphlet D&D hey. and comparing it to 5th edition is like... Oh, yeah, well, it was their first. Well, I mean, the little beige books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to start somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that and the Arduin Grimoire. Oops! Yeah. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of a... I would say until we started getting more fantasy films, and again, this is Lord of the Rings pretty much leading the way as a movie in the early 2000s, where we now have got a lot more 
fantasy video games and and movies and attempts at fantasy movies, which we'll get to next week. Aha, I didn't tell you, but I already picked it. Uh Uh-oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. You should be afraid. Um, I, there has been really the, the, the first big surge of fantasy. And I by fantasy, I mean not necessarily in any way historically accurate. You mean sword and sorcery. Sword and sorcery. Because yeah. there was also great illustration done around the turn of the century over what were generally considered boys' novels. Things like Ivanhoe and stuff like that. You know, N.C. Wyeth and... Um, oh, my... I'm forgetting his teacher and I'm going to... I'm going to get hit for that one. Um, Howard Pyle. Howard Pyle were the two biggest American illustrators for pirates. Father of Gomer? Uh, n- no. <laughs> uh, um, I think I think he was. Right. <laughs> Don't dispute um, me. <laughs> now, you go ahead and look that up. Um they 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 did a lot of the you know the pirate stuff and mm-hmm. the knight stuff, but it was much it was meant to be a lot more historically accurate. You didn't tend to get wizards yeah, and that, magic and elves and stuff. But, yeah, that was like uh, historical fantasy, uh, historical adventure stuff. It wasn't really what we co- now call fantasy, which does tend to be sword and sandal stuff or sword and sorcery. I can't help but wonder if they're also because of a prevalence of oh, oh I don't know certain substances in the sixties <laughs> and seventies. That isn't why we started getting more depictions of things like elves and fairies because people saw elves and fairies. <laughs> you got to remember those um, things have been around for a very long time. I know, I know, but you know, I, I watched uh, Wizards at the Harvard Square Theater back in the eighties, and I saw it again, and all I could think of was, "You're supposed to be smoking pot." That's required. I don't know. Honestly, there are some scenes... And it is kind of a downer. It's not just a downer, but there are some scenes that go on so long. A lot of the battle stuff or the basically Bakshi going, Look, look, here, here, there, I've rotoscoped a lot of Nazis. <laughs> Those go on kind of a long time, and if you're stoned, that would seem like forever, I'm told. I'll have, I'll have to take your word for it. I read it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yeah, hey, I'm what am I? Compl- what am I saying? It's legal in Massachusetts. Woohoo! Weed. N- Sorry. Yeah. Max, wait. You've had the weed. I've I've potted the weed. <laughs> I'm potted right now. Potting. No, you are not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, yeah, I I tried it and it didn't work. Uh, so well, you're whatever. A, you're a damn mutant. I well, that's been said. Mm. Um, one little quick note I had in here is like the few times Peace talks. Mm-hmm. Um, did he remind you of anybody? He does, but I'm never sure. He's like not good, very bad. Who, uh, who he, re- he reminded me a little of Carlton, your doorman. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I love Carlton, Carlton, your doorman. doorman. <laughs> Lorenzo Music, later who went on to uh, voice Garfield. The interesting thing oh, about Lorenzo right. Music is Lorenzo Music was actually a producer. He was not a voice actor. Oh, wow. But they needed him to do a voice for Carlton, your doorman, and he fit the bill, and so he just kept doing it. Um, other people who've done this, obviously, are Brad Bird, who did uh, Edna Mode, because mm. they couldn't find any anybody who did it as well as he did so he would just do it yep, yep. um any other uh, notes you have on this um just a couple the the thing i the thing that holds up about this movie there are still moments that are surprising when eleanor betrays the group when i was mm-hmm. a kid that just shocked me and watching it now it's still kind of like whoa and the finale where avatar kills black wolf is <laughs> to me is still one of the greatest moment i remember okay i'm sorry i know this gives it all away i don't care yeah it's even if you know it's still worth seeing 
They're facing off. The world's ending around them. Black Wolf is making, you know, is monologuing. And I love it. Avatar starts clapping and going, you always did need an audience. (laughs) And they're getting ready for this epic magical battle. And you're really worried because Avatar hasn't been doing, he's said he hasn't done much magic. And Black Wolf has been preparing for 10,000 years. And it's going to be this huge thing. And Avatar says, I want to show you a trick that Ma showed me when you weren't around. And he just goes, by the way, I'm really glad you changed your last name, you son of a bitch. And he pulls out a (laughs) Luger and he shoots him. And the look on Black Wolf's face is like, what just, what? And then he shoots him again. He kills him with two shots from a gun. No wizard battle. I remember just being floored. Yeah. It's not, you'd think that of all the things we've been talking about with the rotoscoping and the still images, Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, that artist's name was Mike Plug. He was uh, Mm -hmm. big with Marvel in the 70s for fantasy and horror stuff, werewolf Mm -hmm. comics, stuff like that. Um, But you think, oh, he just did that because, you know, like when Indy Jones shoots (laughs) that guy in the first Raid of the Lost Ark film, it's like, oh, he's just cutting corners. But it's like, no, 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 it's not. That was not a cheat. That was a plot point that worked beautifully. Yeah, and it's like okay, yeah. So that that's most of it. So yeah, what I'd like to. Yeah, so shall we move into? Is this a D and D movie? I think we should move firmly mm-hmm. into the what r- you just said. The roundup. Instead, we're going to suddenly stop the game. Ah, <laughs> and up. Oh, you've been mixing up my cards, haven't you? <laughs> Right. So, Max, does this film, Mm -hmm. in one way or many ways or any ways, to you, exemplify what it's like to be in a D&D game? Yeah, to some points. Not overall. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Give me those points, why don't you? Okay, you've got a party of disparate people. You have the NPC who used to be a bad guy. Mm. You you have a lot of fantasy elements. You have... A lot of journeying like for Nazis. <laughs> well, yeah. Because if there's one thing that says D and D more than anything else, it's Nazis. Hey, come on! How many? Remember how many times in the in the game I threw threw you guys into Vietnam? Yeah, that's not Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, historical accuracy, just so you know, not Nazis. Yeah, true, true. The Nazi. Don't be a dummy. Be a smarty. Come and join the, the Nazi, Nazi potty. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, that is true, but. Uh, there, there's this, I mean, it's a party, it's going off to do a quest. That's really about it. Yeah, because it even takes a half an hour before we get to the quest, yeah. and the film's only 80 minutes long. Yeah, no, that's true, and there's, it, it's not even a quest, it's like, this is supposed, this is the final moment, obviously. The idea is that Avatar and Black Wolf are going to destroy each other. They don't, but that's the idea, and it's also very much for this one thing. Everyone there is just there to support Avatar. Uh, it's again the central, even well, even the characters who want vengeance and such, and again the big thing. There's no looting. <laughs> no, there nope. there isn't any looting. Nobody gets any good items. Looting is central to uh, to D and D. And and uh, as an example of that, um, 
this is going to be mentioning a, a D&D game, and I know how much people hate that, but I'm doing it anyway. At uh, the game I was playing in last week, I have a character who uh, is a consummate liar. He just lies because that's what he does. And unfortunately, he was the one to go through the pile of coins. Oh, good. As the DM is calling out, oh, 65 copper, his response to the party is, ah, there is but 30 copper amongst us. And uh, 25 silver, ah, only five pieces of silver. So, yes, looting is still alive and, and well in D&D. Uh, 30 some odd years later so well, it's part of the process it's part of the whole system well how else are you going to pay for being a murder hobo I, I make it i make it as a joke because really not everyone it's not always about that but there is a no. certain amount it's also nobody gets better at anything no one's the characters no well Eleanor In fact, you could, you could even argue that Avatar gets worse at something. He realizes his magic isn't good enough, so it's like, ah, to hell with it. You yeah. know? Now, Eleanor actually improves. She starts, her magical powers come on. and She, she becomes a full-fledged fairy. Pretty much. And she also, she starts out the movie as this sort of giggly, ditzy character. Doesn't take anything seriously, and she becomes... A traitor. Yeah, pretty much a traitor well, and a damsel in distress. But yeah, she becomes... I mean, she claims that it was the stock footage. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, it was the secret weapon right. that clouded her mind. Yeah, but... which apparently is what happened. Although, my God, Weehawk accepts that really fast. I, I think it's the tissue. I, intention, I instantly <laughs> believe you. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. I mean, perfectly, that, honestly, that's as D&D as anything else. Yeah, that's true. You um, seem trustworthy. Join our party. I want to be friends for life. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not real, <laughs> I think, part, well, I, the one thing I will say is that while Avatar is definitely the central character, we see some stuff with Weehawk, we do see some stuff, like you said, with, with, um, Eleanor, mm -hmm. um, so it's not as centrally fixed as, say, E-Ragon was, yeah. um, <laughs> and, in a, you know, and the thing is, is that maybe in a very 70s way, it's D&D-ish, because, of course, D&D, at its heart, is based on the fantasy that either was coming out during the 70s or was very popular during the 70s. Mm. So, again, Lord of the Rings, Conan, um, Conan. Elric, Conan, Faffred and Grey Mouser. Mm. And if you folks, if, if you're D&D players or aficionados, this is the stuff you should go back and read, because this is the heart of where all this came from. Robert E. Howard is not the easiest to read, but he's worth it. It, it just, if nothing else, for historical stuff. I would say the the two that you could actually even start with because they're they're the episodes such as they are tend not to be very long mm. are Elric and Fafnir and the Grey Mouser. Fafnir and the Grey Mouser is almost entirely short stories, and the Elric novels. I don't know that this is true, but there was a quote I heard somebody say was true once that Michael Moorcock said, "If you can't write a novel in a weekend, it's not worth writing." Yeah, <laughs> and you can certainly read an Elric book in a weekend. Hell, you can read yeah. it in an afternoon. They are almost in exactly 180 pages each. Um, <laughs> that being said, there kind of is nothing like Elric. Elric is... I like Elric. I recently reread it, and it has got this, this weird sort of flow, and it's almost like space opera for fantasy. It's, it's this giant magical thing that they do not spend time explaining thank you very much, but it is very different. It's very alien. It's almost more alien than it is fantasy magical and it's it's this own weird flavor that wizards kind of has as well even though it's using technology and, and stock footage um it has this weird 70s fantasy vibe that pretty much is gone and, and probably won't come back for good or ill the thing with elric and in fact with virtually everything michael moorcock ever did 
Don't expect happy endings. No. Nobody no. wins. Nobody oh. ever wins in a Moorcock book. It always ends badly. I don't think there is a more, like, sad... Or not sad, he's not sad, but a more, you know, screw-my-life character than Elric. Very That's brooding, his, very angsty. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I think under the term brooding in the dictionary, <laughs> you will see a f- little picture of Elric. Yeah. Um, and that was one of his big draws, and I think one of the reasons he was so popular. Also, the, just the visual of Elric was always cool. He was an albino with bright red eyes and a huge... Basically, a skinny albino with a great big black sword. You you know what he was? He was a nerd that could get even. Yeah, pretty well. He was sort of. I always thought of him as sort of a photo negative of a drow. Yeah, well, of course there weren't any. Yeah, yeah. that would come later. Um, Fat from the Green Mouse. One of the things I like about them is, as many stories and as much experience as they have, every once in a while they do something really dumb. Yeah, they're they're (laughs) classic adventurers that way. It's like, huh? Look at this glass floor with a hammer on a chain. I think we should break the floor. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, we'll just do it. We'll tap it lightly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you want D&D, I would say those four mm. sources, Elric, Fafford the Grey Mouser, Lord of the uh, Rings. Conan, and Lord of the Rings, yeah. that's your that's your core. Wizards, I'm going to say mm. kind of. Yeah, Wizards has some elements to it, but no, I would say it is not a D&D movie. No. Mm. Um, but mm. next week, Uh-oh. we're going to talk about another D&D movie. Are we? Oh, we are. And what would In that fact, be? We're going to talk about the D and D movie. Oh Lord! Yeah. Oh, so oh. strap down and close your eyes oh. and get ready to tap dance because we are going to discuss the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh. Because if any movie should exemplify what it's like to play in a D and D game, it should be the Dungeons and Dragons movies. Now, Max has grown. Jeremy Irons, why? Because five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, I, he did E-Ragon, so uh, this, maybe this is better. Yeah, apparently, now, now Max, yeah, but E-Ragon, he, he sort of said, you know what, I, I miss having a little bit of dignity. In, <laughs> because in Dungeons & Dragons, which I believe came earlier, he has none. Hey, at least he doesn't have his bare ass animated in Beowulf. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I'd rather see that than Anthony Hopkins. Oh, anyway, uh, so Max's groans—you might consider a spoiler, but you might also be surprised because he may not—he may just be commenting on the quality of the movie, not whether it feels like it's D and D or not. So, well, and we'll Max, stop groaning because you're giving it away. We'll we'll, we'll certainly discuss. <laughs> they won't that. come back. Yep. <laughs> Okay, well... Um, so, uh, next, next week, D&D, uh, the D&D movie, mm-hmm. the Dungeons & Dragons movies, we're talking about the one that came out in theaters, not the other ones that may or may not have come out on the internet or animated. Right, or the ones that the Sci-Fi Network put out. Right, right, right. In the meantime, mm-hmm. if you want to keep up with us, we have a Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is, surprisingly, Max Mike Movies. If you want to see our tweet feed, or whatever those kids call it, <laughs> uh, on the Twitter, we are known as Plort Max Mike Movies. Big surprise there. Um, you can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast app under Max Mike Movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, until next week, I will no longer be Mike Luce. And I and that guy am Max there. the Eternal. Wait, now you blew my ending. Well, I did not. What are you talking you about? You did. You said Eternal, and I said until... Oh, oh come on. Okay, let's start Start up. again. Start again. All right, one more time. Okay, here, and here we go. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.